Hey you, yeah you, come join our Discord. The Mixing Music Discord server is filled with tons of awesome information and people. People that can help you out and information that can help you grow your business and to help you improve your mixes. So come join us and find the invitation link at mixingmusicpodcast.com. One, two, three. Hello, and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and today we have a very good episode. I want to talk about the technical analysis and fixing and understanding of top end. I want to focus mostly on vocals, but I think this will cover most top end in a lot of different things, in a lot of different, uh, like high end, you know, the trouble, the you know, the nice bright stuff, the things that make things bright, right? The frequencies that make things bright. And I wanted to get really technical. And I think that this episode was important because I've been listening to a lot of mixes from local people, as well as people that sent me their mixes to give feedback on. Again, you can always send me music, send me your files, MP3s preferred to my email, dkmixes at gmail.com, D-E-E-K-E-I mixes at gmail.com. And I'll try to get back to you as soon as possible. But if there is a lot of high-end, and if someone is referencing enough and knows how much high-end to put in and is is starting to get that high-end figured out and making things bright enough, right? Usually the first problem before they get to this problem is that it's not bright enough. That's, That's a pretty typical problem that I see young mix engineers do. It's not bright enough. It's It sounds great, but again, the goal is not to make things sound great according to that one source like your monitors or your headphones or whatever. It's to make it sound great relative to everything that's already out. Because as a listener, if the sonic character of a song within that genre or in that playlist or whatever is different, then it will throw me off. It will, as a listener, listeners will understand that it doesn't feel like a million bucks or it feels cheap if it's not, if it's not as bright or whatever, right? Something's off and it'll distract them from actually listening to the music, which is the last thing that you want. If you leave anything that is distracting to the listener, as a mix engineer, that's like the only way that you can fail because mixing is... How do you say, like, uh, it's, it's, there's not really a right answer. Like, it's very flexible. But at the same time, like, if you leave things in the mix that are distracting, I would say that that's not a good mix, right? Other than that, good mixes are very flexible, very wide. It can be very dark. It can be very bright or in between, right? And most mixes are kind of in between. But I do get a lot of mixes that are a little bit darker than anything else in that playlist. So assuming that your things are, you're referencing a lot and you do a lot of music and you're mixing a lot and you're starting to get used to it and you get that top end just right. There's another thing that has been bugging me and a problem that has, I've seen a lot recently. And once you get to the, this level, then I would say this is the one thing, in my opinion, that separates a really good mix engineer to like really good mix engineer, especially in the vocals. When you boost the top end, obviously, depending on where you boost from, let's say you boost anywhere from 6 to six to 10K. You know, I think the default on the SSL sell by Waves channel is 8K and a boost, you know, with the shelf. And I don't know how that curve is, but sounds really nice. But from 6 to 10K, if you start boosting from there, there's a couple of things that gets introduced. One is S's, right? Obviously. So you want a DS. But I think that's the obvious one. And I think that's the part that people aren't missing. People usually tend to DS it or figure that part out. The thing that I'm most worried about is a part of the voice, a lot of microphones, especially crappy microphones, like cheap, not crappy. Let me say that again. 
cheap microphones, affordable microphones, really nice, like a $10,000 C12 does not have this. But more affordable microphones, including this microphone, the SM7B, will have this if I boost the top end, is around 8 to 10K. There is resonances of the voice, resonances of most affordable microphones that are peaking, that whistle, and needs to be cut out. It's just above the S's, so it's not quite the S's, but it's also like, it's literally around like 8 to 9K, probably closer to 9 to 10K that you hear. And and if you boost it or you can dip it and you can hear it, it it's whistling. And, and especially on my speaker system, which unfortunately not everybody listening has the opportunity to listen to or has the same quality, but it's become very apparent with these speakers that I'm using. And as I'm listening to different mixes and I'm referencing on Spotify and using like uh, listening to a bunch of different songs, vocals and that bright, harsh resonance around 9 to 10K is typically the defining factor of someone that probably did it from home and someone who's winning Grammys. This is, from my opinion, what I'm hearing. As, along with many thousands of other things, but that's one of the problems that I'm hearing once you get to the point that you're actually doing things bright enough, boosting things bright enough. Okay, another concept that I want to talk about is also the idea of cutting versus boosting. Now, if you ever watch me mix, some of you have had the opportunity to watch my online videos or to sit here in the studio with me in person. I'm very accepting with interns and stuff like that. You'll notice that I do a lot more cutting than boosting. Now, there's there's good engineers that do a lot more boosting than cutting, and there's great engineers that do a lot of cutting before, like a lot more cutting than boosting. Uh, that's not a defining characteristic, but I, I want to share with you a thought, right? If, think about this with me, and I share this thought with all of my interns, people that I'm helping out and working with. If I have a th- minus 3 dB, if I cut 3 dB low shelf at 1K, right, right in the middle, 1K minus 3 dB low shelf, right? I cut it. Now, I boost the volume 3 dBs. What have I actually done? I just did a high shelf at 1K. Does it make sense? So when you cut and then you raise the overall volume, now you'll just see a high shelf. There are ways to make things brighter without turning up the top end. And the only idea why cutting might be better than boosting, which I don't totally agree with, but I understand the concept, which is... If you add if you add something to a signal, it's adding artificial sound, right? If you cut, you remove sounds that you don't like. So instead of adding artificial sound, artificial noise, you keep what is natural and you take out what is what you don't like. So it stays a little bit more natural. At least that's the concept, but honestly, the EQs, and you, most of the time if you boost stuff, um, other than for some reason, Isotope top end just doesn't sound good to me. I don't know why. Isotope doesn't have a very good top end. Isotope is amazing. Neutron and Ozone is amazing. I just don't know what it is with Neutron specifically and a little bit of Ozone, like something with like the top end is a little bit more harsh and brittle compared to other EQs in my opinion, but I don't know why. Maybe that's just me. It's all in my head. But other than that, I use Isotope on everything. On every mix, I have at least two or three Isotope different products and stuff. Love them. Love them to death. But with the top end, usually I have this issue with the whistling frequencies, and it needs to be taken out. Now, I want to keep it natural, right? And that whistling whistling 9K-ish 
is not natural. Like it's if I showed you mixes, which I probably should, maybe I will in a future video or a tutorial or maybe part of my online courses that you can find at store.dkmixes.com. Maybe I'll do that. But I want to talk about that, right? So how do you get the top end treble without the 910K resonance? There's a couple different ways to do this. I get a lot of mixes. I get a lot of mixes and I get to work on a lot of different recordings from different artists that have different microphones, preamps, and interfaces. And like, I am very used to having very different sounds and recordings from different places at all times. Like, I don't have a consistent place that I mix records from. Like, it's not a recording studio that I work at, it's my own, you know? People send me stuff. So, because of that, not all microphones are the same. You can tell, you can very easily tell a good microphone from a more affordable microphone by that resonance and just in general, the top end. Some will say it even goes to like my professor in college, he would say that a good microphone, you'll have to DS a lot less, which again is part of that top end resonance, right? Because most of these affordable microphones, top end sounds bright, it sounds expensive, it sounds really nice, it sounds clear, it sounds more hi-fi, high fidelity. So because of that, these microphone, affordable microphone companies will put in cheap parts to make up for the lack of quality to boost the top end a little bit. That's why affordable microphones, affordable condenser microphones are really bright, right? And I want to be careful with the word crappy because it's a blessing that we have the microphones that we have out now, like affordable microphones now have never sounded this good. It's 2020, like your equipment is not an excuse, but I do think that if you do use more affordable equipment, like you need to pay attention to this. I will not say the name, but there's an engineer that has shown me their music a lot and we've talked about it a lot. It's very common. 9K sticks out. It's really bright. I love it. It sounds great. It's an amazing mix, but it's still that 9K that's still really 910K that's really bugging me. So two two options, two ways to fix it. One, there's a plugin by Oak Sound called Soothe. Soothe is like a multi-band compressor, multi-band dynamic EQ, but it's got like a bajillion bands and you can set it for just 6K and above or like 8K and above or whatever. And you can use it. It's flexible. It's really nice. It's a little bit of a learning curve, but it's really nice. You can try it out for free as a demo. Really nice. If you can't really quite figure out where it is, it's just somewhere in general in the top end, the resonance. That's a good kind of thing. It's not quite a de-esser, but if you use it as a de-esser, it actually sounds really cool as well, but it's really dope. Okay, the most normal option the one that I tend to use is I just use a regular parametric EQ. Like, for example, I use the FabFilter Pro Q3. doesn't matter which one you use. Sometimes I use the stock Pro Tools one. The stock Pro Tool at, like, the Q at 10, like the max Q at 10, is really awesome for cutting out, like, resonant frequencies. So if I'm using that, I'll find the frequency around 8 to 10K, uh, maybe a little bit lower, maybe a little bit higher, and that part, and then as I boost, I don't ever boost anywhere I never use a EQ. I never boost the top end anywhere below 20 hertz. So again, like I'm talking about Mog, I'm talking about Massenberg, like I'm talking about any EQ that can go above 20K, you boost from the top top. Now, I've talked about this in the past. I've already explained this in the past. You can't really hear anything about 20K. What's the point of boosting anything over 20K? Let me remind you again one more time that the curve, it's not like if if you have an EQ point where it's at 40, let's say it's 40K, right? Because Mog is 40K. It has an option for 40K. You have it at 40K. The curve of the high isn't just like boom like boost at 40k that's not what it does it's a gradual curve that probably starts around like 10 to 15k if you boost 8 dbs 
from 40K, you probably are already boosting two dBs at like 10K. So does that make sense? So it's a gradual curve. And then it also, you can start hearing it earlier because it does go up to what you can hear, right? It does boost above what you can hear. So I really like those EQs. A combination of a really high end, like a, a Q with a, an EQ with above 20 hertz, kilohertz, above 20K top end shelf and cutting really tight, really sharp, really high Q around 9 to 10K where usually the resonances are will create brightness and presence and air in a vocal without that sharp top end resonance. Now it's a beautiful thing. Like you will notice the difference immediately. Like you'll turn off, you can bypass that one frequency just to see if it is actually resonating, if it actually changes it. All of a sudden your issues with like, oh, it's like just harsh. It's just harsh and brittle will go away. Like, it's absolutely beautiful. And this doesn't apply in every situation. Like, this isn't like a go-to thing, but this is often enough, common enough from the mixes that I receive to give feedback on that I wanted to make an entire episode about this because this, to me, is the difference between a great vocal mix that is bright and airy from a really harsh, bright and airy, painful to listen to. You can tell a good vocal, a harsh vocal from a really nice, bright and airy, but clear but not harsh vocal from usually those resonances. And like, uh, there's a lot of other resonances in a vocal as well. Another tip is, to be honest, a lot of these resonances in the vocal in the mid-range is usually, and the top end, they don't take it out. Like these big Grammy-winning, huge, like mix, these like multi-platinum albums, they leave in these resonances. So you got to listen exactly. You got to like vibe with it. You got to feel it out. And I have noticed that you could find resonances everywhere. Like you're going to find one at like 3.2K or like, you know, around there typically, or like another one at like five and like another one at 700 and 1.5 and whatever. You're going to find a bunch of frequencies if you look for. But the beautiful thing is, And the sad thing is that a lot of these major records will have these resonances left in on purpose because that's what makes the voice, how do you say, vibrate. So when I took like vocal lessons, so I was a professional like wedding singer for a couple years, hot lol. Um, And uh, so I really, I I sang on stage for a couple hours every weekend and it was a great, awesome job. It was the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life. I'm glad that that's no longer a part of my life. But um, when I was doing that and when I was taking vocal lessons in college and before then, it was very normal for the teacher to teach you in a way and to teach you techniques to sing in a way that brings out more resonances from your body, your chest, your mouth and your throat, everything. Like, So resonance is a good thing, right? You can't just cut everything out. Like you'll notice if you, I've, I've done this before in the past. Like if I cut out every single frequency that resonates and it's like a really tight cue, really tight band. And I just cut it out. Even if I don't cut it out all the way, if I just do like more than like three or four of them, it starts to sound unnatural. Something about it. It just doesn't sound, the vocal just doesn't sound right. So I don't recommend cutting out all frequencies. I do recommend referencing and listening and you know, like comparing Again, not enough people reference and compare. I can't stress this enough. Like, you're not trying to make, again, you're not trying to make, mix things to sound good out of your headphones or your monitors. You're trying to make them sound good relative to what's already out. Because the purpose of a good mix is to keep it from distracting the listener. You do not want to distract the listener from a bad mix, right? That being said, really, really awesome mixes, really natural mixes, really genuine, genuine and dynamic mixes sound great. And people, might like the song a little bit more, or at least definitely won't be distracted by it. So good luck with the top end. Please pay attention to that. And again, this whole 
tip was based off of if you're already making things bright enough. And I will say, I will even go as far as eight out of 10, four out of five people that send me mixes to give feedback on do not have enough top end, at least in reference and comparative to pop music, things that are on the top charts on Spotify and on Billboard and, you know, whatever, like things that are making a crap ton of money, things that are getting a crack ton of crap ton of plays and streams compared to those most songs are not bright enough. If you've been referencing, if you've been getting better, if you think you got the hang of it, please careful with the 9k, 910k, please be careful and just boost above it. Add the air. On that note, I hope everybody's having a good time, having a good day, having a good week. Happy mixing my friends and stay saucy. 1 2 3 If you'd like to take advantage of my free guides and online videos, please check out links.dkmixes.com. That's links.dekeimixes.com. The Mixing Music Podcast is proud to say that we have a lot of free resources outside of the actual podcast. Visit mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash links to find access to our free PDFs and free resources.